let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Blessings. I'm Ron. I'm Mike. And welcome back to another episode of Pew Babies, your apostolic millennial podcast. Hey. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm trying to think what we should do as an opener this week. I don't really have one. I was going to say, what's your favorite memory growing up in church? Mm, so many good memories. Um, probably my favorite memory growing up in church. There's a lot of them. It was probably like the choir anniversaries we used to have. They mm. always, they always took place right when we were getting out of school. So I knew, you know, choir anniversary coming up, we getting out of school. Um, I used to love it because, you know, we would rehearse hard for it, get ready for it. So, yeah, that's probably some one of my favorite memories. And then, like, just the trips on during the summer, mm-hmm. whether it was Holy Convocation or it was King's Dominion, mm-hmm. you know. And back then, I got a picture, actually. It's funny. I was going through my Facebook memories, and there's a picture of me posted. We was on our way to King's Dominion, and here I am with this great big case in my hand. I'm like, what is it in my hand? It was a CD case. Because oh, back then, right, you got the Walkman. <laughs> you had to have your Walkman, and you didn't have like. And I'm telling you, like, this was 15 years ago, so this wasn't too long ago. MP3 players were like just coming out, mm-hmm. but I still had a Walkman, and so uh, I had a case of CDs, and I still got them somewhere around here. So, what was your favorite memory, Ron? That's crazy. Well, first, I remember the switch between the CD player and then having my um my little Nano. It was blue. It only came mm-hmm. in like two colors. Also, choirs don't practice like they used to. They don't. Oh they don't. And that gosh. bothers me. That bothers me a lot because growing up, you about had to pack you a lunch, you know, because yes. rehearsal was about to be all day. It was going to be uh, all day, all your whole Saturday. And, and then people was going to get their parts right. Your choir director will get in your face. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're going to fix this until it's right. We had one choir director. Um, he was a minister of music. He played the organ as well. One time, like, we just kept getting it wrong. He had everybody go through in the choir and sing their part until he figured out who it was that was messing up and got it fixed. And by the time he got to them, because that's the thing, Saints, when you are choir rehearsal and it's not your turn to sing, you better be singing in your head to get your part right. Exactly. Because I'm tired. Why do we have to reteach the part 20 times? Matter of fact, before we get to the, you know, if you're a tenor, by the time we get to you, you should know your part. Exactly. Okay. Can you, you not should, harmonize? You should know your know part. The basics of the choir and the yeah. apostolic faith. Like you, you but, should know your part by the time we get to you, sopranos. Okay, we gave them the part. Altos, you should be working on it. Yeah, you know. I told you y'all should definitely be working on it. Y'all too should many be working y'all on it. But tenors, come on now. We should already we should be ready, set and ready to go. So <laughs> but yes, my favorite memories growing up. This is gonna sound real churchy, but I love shutting like really? When I, I'm gonna tell you why, because as a kid, you know, we didn't really pray. We played games and we had snacks. <laughs> it was like a slumber party at church. Like that was fun. And then when I got older, actually, I like the like shut-ins too. But it was just fun. I don't know. I miss being with the saints all the time. Just the family style. Them shut-ins traumatized me. Oh, because y'all had to say G G G. We was allowed to go to sleep. <laughs> we listen. We was a shut in one time. I'll never forget this. We took a shut in because our shut ins they weren't like even when people like recently when people would discuss having a shut in. Mm-hmm. I would always like kind of clam up because first of all, like 
you know, I can't see myself, you know, spending the night at church. <laughs> that, you can spend that, the night anywhere that concept else. to me just sounds crazy, but no. But they would be like, we're going to have a shut what, what if we have a shut-in? And all I could think about was being like 10, 11 years old, going to a Friday night shut-in. And i never forget this. We went to shut-in that night. And what we did, they would pray for an hour. And then they would have somebody get up and speak on a topic. Then we got back down on our knees and prayed for another hour or two. Oh. Then they had somebody speak. It was like that. That rotated like that, like literally all night. And so I was like, nah, like, I don't know if I want to do a shut in. I remember that night my dad was like, we're going to leave your mama down here. She'll catch a ride home. And you're going to head to the house. <laughs> Not your dad helping you sneak out. <laughs> you know, because now we got spend the night bags now. So we ready. I already know what I would bring. Listen, <laughs> we could do a shut-in over Zoom. You know, Not now over Zoom. But, you know, right uh, now you're going to click right up. You're going to turn <laughs> off that camera. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But yeah, no, I'm open though. I'm open, but maybe like maybe we stay till 12 a.m. But like, yeah, not like, to the next morning. No. We didn't really have like services in it. Like it was like I, I think at first like we did like have like a service type style or like a praise and worship thing. But it was really just people praying the whole time, and they they would go to sleep and then they would wake up and pray again. And it it was just like kind of like everybody could do their own thing, but collectively doing their own thing. So anyway. I've seen it different ways. Um, but how has your week been, Mike? How's everything going? Ooh, it has been a Britney Spears 2007 week for me. That's that year she shaved her head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lord. Yeah, this has been that week for me. First of all, you know, I was on PTO three days of this week. Oh, that's nice. And so, but to come back yesterday, mm-hmm. I came back into a bunch of fires at work. Oh, My boss got walked out yesterday because we just can't afford to support the position anymore. Like, what is going on? Everybody's just leaving their job. Yeah, like, I was just like, man, like, this is crazy. This is crazy. So Did I was boss just come like, back or y'all just bossless? They just like, they were just like, yeah, it was just like, unfortunately, like, we just didn't have it in the budget to support his role anymore so i had to tell my team because what they didn't want is for people to like be getting around saying oh he got fired you right. know whatever so we kind of all saw it coming i think he did too and i think he was like preparing himself but it was just a lot because not only that we just had someone last week before i went on pto uh, one of the supervisors on on my same one of my peers lost their job they got walked out Mm-hmm. Um, they got fired. That's a walking you out. And then, so I had to help pack his desk. It was just a whole oh, thing. No. And so, you know, but then, to, like yesterday, the director got, you know, I didn't even see him, and he was just, he was being, you know, walked out. And then, um, it was just a lot, run So it was, it was just one of those things. And so today, we're just dealing with the brunt of it. And I don't know how I just came back from an eight day PTO, and I'm still tired. Mm. I'm tired so yeah how was your week it's been calm but similar to you like we had we had a secretary who quit (laughs) and she there was like two or three people that all left in the same day and then somebody got fired I was like oh I ain't never seen this much movement before in my life so do I need to move Jesus that's what I'm, I'm, you know, I, you know, I've been like, Lord, like, you know, I've been, you know, been putting, my, putting my bid in elsewhere too. So I'm like, right. I ain't going to set myself up for failure. So yeah, y'all not going to catch me slipping. Y'all not going to catch me slipping. 
But this um, earlier tonight, the reason why we started so late, but anyway, is <laughs> because I was at a gala for okay, um, gala? yeah, it's called the Lewis Redding Gala here in Delaware. Lewis Redding was the first uh, black um, attorney to pass the bar and to be a member of the bar, and so every year we celebrate him and just the accomplishments of the black bar. So it was nice. It was a lovely time with the oh black folks. Well, we could have recorded another night. No, no, no. This is good. I'm good. I had okay. a good little time. You know, I dressed up. It's just nice mm. to go outside. Like, just being outside. I just... You know what? <sighs> when I tell you I feel you on that, like, I feel you on that. I'm just, like... And, and I've never, like, you know, even with just going to a convocation this year, I'm, like, low-key excited because I'm, like, I haven't mm-hmm. been outside. I haven't been nowhere. Like, you know, not to, like, you know, like, I've been... We've been places, of course. Like, you know, we travel. Right. But, you know, like, to go travel, like, you know put clothes on and like be around people and be around like other people and stuff it's been a long time so i'm like actually like i'm low-key excited for you know to go to a convocation this year i'm low-key excited to go to a concert or something like that you know it's just like one of those things like i can get out there i'm low-key excited to go to like a gala so yeah i feel it i feel just being out is exciting and i know some people are still wearing their masks but i have been maskless and it just feels good to breathe it does i have to just go and feel regular and normal as much as we can feel normal it's just nice yeah i feel like i don't know let me not say that on the show but no know. what no because I, I feel like when i heard someone say this on another podcast like i feel like you know and maybe we'll edit this out like i feel like everybody is gonna come into contact with it yeah absolutely. at some point so and i'm like i'm fully vaccinated not that i want to like you know jinx myself or you know to say temp god but I'm like, you know, at this point, like, you know. I mean, at this point, if you haven't already had it, you're yeah. probably likely going to get it. You're and if you do get, get it. it and you're vaccinated, then you're not going to die from it. That's all that matters. It's just like any other virus. Just yeah. let it do its course. So, but, well, when you're sick, put your mask on. I say that. Put your mask on when you're sick. Same, <laughs> when you're sick, God. put your mask, mask on, on. Have your hand sanitizer. I've still been using yeah. hand sanitizer like crazy, but um anyway we already did the opener so mike do you have any church announcements this week yes i do i have some church announcements uh first and foremost praise the lord everyone praise the lord saints praise the lord ain'ts praise the lord to the missionaries friends evangelists bishops prophets apostles to you over there you are somebody we say praise the lord to you (laughs) amen amen um got a few announcements i'm gonna get through here quickly because you know let me tell you, Ron has a, you know, beautiful production lined up for us tonight. Oh, does she? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> Ron, Ron has a beautiful production lined up for oh, us tonight. No. So let me just get out the way. You, you know how in church, they'd be like, I'm going to get out the way because, you know, she has a word. <laughs> it, it don't be nothing said. <laughs> it don't be nothing said at all. Um, I don't know if you guys remember a few months ago, maybe in March, we talked about Pastor Vody Bauckham, um and how his run for the Southern Baptist Church. Um, Pastor Vody Bauckham was not voted in to lead the Southern Baptist Church, Ooh. and we expected that. Um, well, it looks like some Southern Baptist pastors thought, felt, and believe that electing Vody Bauckham was dangerous to the future of the organization, that those convention delegates did the right thing in not electing him. Uh, in the writer's opinion of the article, she said almost half wanted him and the other half didn't. The vote was right there. While most thought he was dangerous, still half of them wanted him, which says a lot. On Monday night, 
in Anaheim, and I'm assuming Anaheim, California, which okay. um, the vote to lead the Southern Baptist Convention pastors conference was uh, wholly contested, determined to halt uh, what they see as a drift away from biblical principles and change the direction of the SBC, a fraction led by conservative Baptist network back preacher Vody Bacham, who is the author of Fault Lines, in a 69608 vote, woo, which is close, of Southern Baptist pastors, Bacham lost his bid for the position to Daniel Dickard, what a name, mm-hmm. pastor of Friendly Avenue Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. So would he have been like one of the first black presidents of the Southern Baptist Church? I think he would have, but um Vody is also problematic right um, we talked yeah, about that yeah problematic but he would have been the first which i'm you know what let me just say this it's good you know that the i'm surprised the vote was as close as it was knowing the background and history of the southern baptist church mm-hmm. um so i'm surprised the vote was as close as it was um but yeah no it um he would have been the first black uh to have the first black person to lead this particular congregation or this organization rather so because the reason why i asked that is because i'm like part of it is like his beliefs are just jacked up but it's also kind of like should this be like is this like a reminder that racism still exists too <laughs> like or is it just simply off of his ideologies i don't want to add race if it doesn't need to be included well i think that this is twofold right so i think race is involved um when we start talking about and and unfortunately, this may be a little bit ironic that we're talking about this, or maybe a little bit more of an oxymoron. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we're talking about Christian and the South and conservatism and the Bible Belt, things like that, I have to bring race into it because I know race plays a part in a lot of these concepts, uh, right. especially when it comes down to like Southern, you know, religious societies and things like that, Southern religious organizations and stuff like that. So I do feel like, yeah, race plays a part in it. Um, and I think the vote was so close is because his ide- ideologies align with a lot of the white conservative preachers in that. Like he's right. anti, you know, CRT, you know, he's, you know, he's anti this, anti that, you know, he's against the, um, he's, a you know, conservative. He is against, you know, uh, protesting and stuff like that. These are, this is music to their ears, but I think skin color is what, divided because he lost the vote by like 82 votes so i think those 82 votes it was based upon probably skin color had he been a white guy with these same ideas and it was radical about it i think he would have definitely won won this race whatever because Mm -hmm. he's been so vocal about what it is so i think it's twofold and i think it just speaks a message at the end of the day and i hate to say it um is that you know you can do everything quote unquote and i'm using quote unquote right and still be wrong and you can do and and let me just break it down even further you know at the end of the day you know don't get so caught up in you know you're trying to you know please this this fraction of a conservative population that you forget that your skin's color still plays because here you are preaching anti-crt anti-critical race theory you know to these preachers but critical race theory played a part probably in why you lost so i think you have to the jokes again i love to say this on the show jokes again they write themselves um but i think at the end of the day i think it's something that we should probably all consider when we're talking about um being first and being first in 2022 as african-americans in these spaces so 
Yeah, because I saw somebody write about this on social media. Like, why would black people not be in the Republican Party? Like, what's wrong? With, what's so wrong with being conservative? What's so wrong with? And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with any of it. But my question is, like, what are you willing to suffer from? <laughs> Like, are you okay with at a at an intellectual level with a party or a a group of people, and then suffering because you're you're black, (laughs) or would you rather be in a group? Like, it just I mean, we just don't have a place sometimes. It's sadly, but yeah, I agree with that. Um, I I agree, I definitely agree. But you know, and I think it's one of those things that you know. I'm seeing more and more, and I'm going to jump off this because I think this would just open a can of worms if we just (laughs) delve deep into it. But even just looking at, like, you know, the current administration, I see so many people that, you know, from my hometown that gripe and complain about the current administration. Oh, 2024, we're we're voting for, you know, Trump or, you know, this wouldn't happen if Trump was. And and a lot of this is just lack of knowledge and it's Mm -hmm. ignorance towards how the government really works, right? Um, But it's, it's a little bit scary because there's this idea that you know maybe if we become republicans or we vote conservative we vote trump then things will automatically get better and all of these other things and i think people fail to realize that you know that's not that's not how you know things work that's not how that's going to work and i think people realize to fail to see the bigger picture with a lot of these like political landscapes and stuff like that we just rather be ignorant we rather you know say what we're gonna say because we saw a stimulus check under trump but look at the effects of you know what our exactly. economy is going through after he exited the white there's house a consequence to everything. there's a consequence to everything and nothing is free right and i think people fail to realize that okay a lot of this stuff has fallen into the current administration but all we see is oh bring trump back we didn't have this stuff when trump yeah well okay let's look at george w bush the same thing happened when george w bush left the white house in 2008 and president barack obama came in I would say President Barack Obama had a little bit more of an action plan and, you know, came in, rolled his sleeves up. But at the same time, like there's so many different variables with this current administration that I think people just I don't think they fail to realize. I think they they just refuse to uh, uh, see, you know, what's really going on. So and I have one last thing. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Like my, my question to a lot of people is like, what's the threat? We don't want abortion. The Supreme Court just passed the law that's basically letting people states decide. And a lot of states are saying we don't want abortion either. Yeah, you guys are not for gay rights, but that's kind of like stuck. You know, like just the, the things that people are trying to fight against aren't really a threat. It's just this false narrative. Like it's one thing that people have just been dwelling on is this fear just this growing fear, just creating a fear and anxiety for no reason. There is no threat. Open your eyes. When a real threat comes, then you should be prepared and you should be ready. But there's no real threat at this point. Just making yeah. up stuff. But anyway, No, I agree. I'll fall off of that. Sorry. Shall we move on? No, you're fine. No, this is great. This is a great conversation. I think we're, we're starting off with fire here tonight. Uh, <laughs> I, black, pa- black church pastor calls police after suspicious looking white man visits Oops. during worship service. And this is an article coming from um, a source that we use for our church announcements. Um, <clears throat> it says the entire country needs to be alert, aware, and careful because AR-15 rifles are a favorite target for the wrong people for extremely demented reasons. The weapon of mass destruction was legally unbanned for very wicked and sinister reasons. Very smart move by the church. The article didn't say any good reason uh, why the guy showed up at the particular church, 
He should have been committed to having a full psychological exam. A a Warner Robins pastor, which is Warner Robins, Georgia, says that he was alarmed by a suspicious visitor on their campus. Last week, someone called the Houston County Sheriff's Office about a suspicious visitor at Fellowship Bible Baptist Church. After a phone call, the Sheriff's Office opened an investigation. According to a Houston County incident report last Wednesday night, an 18-year-old white man visited during their church service. The congregation is predominantly Black, and members had never seen this man before. Just sometimes you get that feeling that something is just not right. Um, in, in this, uh, article, and I'm not going to read it word for word, just, um, because of a Facebook message, we had information that we could look that's, that has brought us to the point where we are. It says his pro online profile picture show photographs of a rifle and a caption that says, I'm no criminal, but if I'm going to commit a crime, I'm targeting gun free zones. Wowzers. Yikes. Um, so I, I read this article actually, and, um, I have two feelings, like one, like I'm glad that he got caught. I'm glad the suspicions. It sounds like the church had security, and the church security noticed um, that this man was like being weird and not being a re- regular participant in the service. And that's when they decided to call the cops. Which I mean, obviously, I'm glad they did. He had ill intentions. The fact, like, why would you bring a gun to church in the first place? <laughs> like, that don't sit right with me, <laughs> especially not AR-15, right? So, like, there was no reason for all of this. Um, but then on the other side, it's just like, again, this fear. We want people to be able to come into church. Like, mind you, there were signs with this man that something was wrong. But it's just, I don't know, this suspicion that we have of every white person who enters a black church, like what's going on with that? Like, you know, I, I could just feel like we create, we like our brains just create these rules that are just false. But I mean, I'm glad somebody caught that at this time. Honestly, I think at this point, either Facebook or some organization needs to get on top of just every post that's public, just reviewing it. Okay. Every time somebody says something about like killing, shooting, suicide, angry, upset, we got technology now. Let's pick up those search terms. Let's have somebody investigate to see if it's a viable issue or not. And like, just move on. Like we should be preventing these things, especially when people post so publicly about what they're about to do. And if you see it on your Facebook page or your Instagram or something like that of a friend or somebody saying some crazy stuff, report them. Exactly. Because why are we just letting people just do whatever they want? Like it's our job to kind of be like something's off here, you know, sound the alarm, you know, if you see it, say something. So yeah, because like it's scary out here. The amount of shooters and killings is scary. So no, I agree. I agree a thousand percent. So you know, here's my thing, and it's crazy how. First of all, we had a, the controversial question last week: Should the security at church be armed with guns? Right. Right. Um, and it was it's one of those things because it's like you don't know what could happen in churches. Like you know. We pray and we 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 seek the Lord, you know, that, you know, that he will encamp his angels around us in church. And we, you know, going to church for years, we never thought like someone would come in and open fire up on us in church. Like mm-hmm. we felt as if church was a safe space. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've seen way too many instances where our churches as as, you know, black churches have been targeted. 
we can even look back through the 1960s at the bombing, you know, with the four little girls were bombed. I think was it Alabama? Yeah. Or Mississippi? Yeah. They were bombed 1963 on their way, on their way, you know, on the, in the church, they, the church was bombed by somebody white. Um, and I, I think about the Charleston nine in June, 2015, uh, I think we're coming up on the seventh year anniversary of that. I think uh, they were just gunned down. Yeah. yeah. In, in Charleston, the historic, you know, Methodist church. So I think we as black you know, churchgoers or black parishioners um, have a right to have a fear. You know, we see someone come in the, and, and, and as, as black people, it's part of our church culture to be welcoming to everybody. We've always been that we've always had that culture. Oh, come on in, baby. Come on in. Yeah. You sit up here with us. We got some, you know, we got some sweet potato pies in the back and, you know, fill out this card right here. The pastor want to come greet. We always have had this welcoming mentality. And it's, it's crazy that this trust now has been kind of balled up a little bit and it'll never be the same because we have to fear, you know, things because we, you know, there, there's this refusal to put these, these gun control laws in action. And so I, I don't know. Um, but I, I just think it's just really like cringy, um, that people, you know, find some kind get some, get something out of like opening fire in people in church. It's weird to me. Right. Um, the other part of that too is, and I'm going to say this and it's probably going to offend some of my, some of my apostolic Pentecostal, um, followers or listeners. And, and I don't really care because, you know, I, I have to get this off my chest. Mm. I remember when the 2015 Charleston nine, uh, shooting happened, right? Yeah. Um, that was a church. And so the leader of the church said, I believe if those people have been, you know, uh, quote unquote apostolic or have been, you know, fully saved or using their discernment, this would have never happened. No, they didn't. Yes. It was said in such an arrogant way. It like, it jolted me a little bit, Ryan, because it was like, here we are, you know, I understand like, you know, we, you know, we, we, we claim to have, you know, this anointing and have this discernment and stuff like that. But if you have so much discernment, why do you still need an armor bearer to walk you to your car at night with our church in the middle of the hood? And so it, it just made me realize that we, as apostolic Pentecostal people can be so disconnected from what's going on because we're so caught up in, you know, our own agendas. We're so caught up into, you know, putting a, nop- a monopoly on our own anointing, putting a no- monopoly on the spirit of God that we we, we will we'll sit back arrogantly and say, well, I'm not worried about this happening over here because, you know, we got so much power and anointing. But if even if that's true, you take away the 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 compassionate side of saying, you know what, this was crazy what happened. Like, you know, let's we can get involved in 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 change management how can we get involved in a movement to decrease these things from happening how can we get involved but instead you sit back and laugh and like you know what i believe no folks have been had the real power god this wouldn't have never happened mm-hmm. we we can't sit up there and say those things because it's arrogant to say whatever and what what if that was somebody you knew that got shot in there you mm-hmm. know we was just like well well if, if they had the power of god this would never happen and we go on about our days and that's why how we end up treating people and we wonder why you know our churches don't grow people don't stay in our churches because those kind of attitudes migrate to other things and, and other issues in church that people clearly see when they come sitting in our midst so i'm gonna jump off that soapbox but I have hold to on i'm about to jump on with you because if we can barely pray people from being sick and recovering 
what makes you think that your prayers is going to stop a bullet? Like, what kind of power do you think is moving? And I'm going to say this because I've heard somebody else uh, reference some stuff that's been said by the saints because there was a woman, um, she died, she's faithful church going member, and she died in a kind of gruesome way. She got hit by a drunk driver. And there were some saints who had a nerve to say, well, if she was really saved, she wouldn't have died like that. What? Don't nobody know how they're going to go. And sometimes people go for a different reason. I don't know. We all the saints don't go to sleep. They all don't die in their sleep. Something kills them. We can't control how we go. My only thing is, did I live right? Was I close to God? Did I try to draw people to him? That's the only thing. And if you're trying to put me in heaven or hell based off the way I died, then that's a problem. And that's exactly what that pastor did. That church saw that somebody came in with the gun, shot them people up and was like, well, if y'all would have prayed, God would have protected you. What if there was a purpose for that death? So, you know, like I said, the jokes write themselves. And that's been my favorite saying in the last few weeks because people literally you know, will insert, put their foot in their mouth, right? Because I believe that when you make strong statements, God has a way of, you know, God has a sense of humor and he has a way of reminding you, okay, like you said this, what now? So a few months later, this church, I don't want to give too much detail, but Mm -hmm. this church, they were in Bible study, small church, right? And they, white guy weird white guy two white guys walk in they have on these hunter clothes they walk in one of the deacons to be or church agents or the you know past agent kind of walks gets up kind of storms out kind of walks and you know kind of grabs his piece whatever let him know but i'm like if if we we're supposed to have the anointing so why are we Get uh, 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 uh. why are we getting up you know so that's why we gotta be very careful about what we say we can't throw a rock and hide our hand right because and, and the thing about it is at the end of the day like despite how i feel about um guns and protection in, in church god gives us wisdom And we should be able to learn from things that happen. It doesn't mean I don't have faith that he won't save or he won't fix it or he won't stop the bullet or he won't. Even if I get hit by the bullet, he won't keep me alive. But I have wisdom. If something looks weird, then I should use the wisdom that God gave me to be like, this is weird. And there's no problem with that. Just let's just keep our mouths and like just focus on ourselves. That's all I gotta say exactly. about that. Exactly. Um, usually I would have a word to examine, but I just I just want to admonish everybody. You know, first and foremost, we're not a Bible study um podcast. We're not a podcast where we, you know, judge you. This is a safe space, but I just want to admonish you. I know outside is opening up, right? And I know, you know, everybody's not, you know, necessarily in church. And I know some of y'all are participating in, you know, in the, uh, what is it? The No Grace Challenge and stuff on TikTok and all this other stuff. You know, I get it. You know, y'all young, whatever. Listen, I understand. I just beg and I plead you to please do not use the church's communion plate to serve your shots at the club. So there was a picture circulating what? on Facebook. 
lots of you not uh where you know it looks like it was a party that was at a club and the shots of whatever the brown stuff was they look like maybe some Hennessy or something again it's safe space we don't judge you but I'm sure the church grandma and them church is probably looking for their communion supplies so they can have communion on Sunday and here y'all got it at the club serving your shots of Hennessy out this communion plate so we just ask please ma'am please sir you know, order some shot glasses from Amazon. I'm sure they got some, you know, nice little holes to hold. But please, let's not use the church communion supplies for these types of things, y'all. Let's do a little better. I mean, these folks are probably looking for their stuff, you know, trying to tear up the church, trying to find, find their communion supplies. And y'all got it down here at the local uh, at the local club and bar down here, oh you know, God. trying to um, trying to use a local doches, whatever y'all want to call it. <laughs> You know, so just just be mindful of that. I'm sure the people are looking for their stuff. Um, we don't want to see it again. You know, we're not judging you. That's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. But we just ask that you please leave the communion supplies out of it. That's all I have tonight as far as announcements. You have anything you want to add to that, Ron? Um, this might sound judgmental, but I don't care. Like there used to be a time when people used to hide their mess. Like <laughs> <laughs> while we recorded it and posted on social media, I would never. <laughs> Like we used to hide pants. We used to, if I was in a club, like, well, I wasn't in the club when the saints was there, but like, you know, if you was in the club and you saw a saint or, you know, you was trying to kind of like hide in the background and not let people know your business. Mm -hmm. Like that was at least the fear of the Lord saints. Like we've just gotten so bold. (laughs) Can we not? Mm -hmm. And then you got a nerve to be singing and act like everything's okay. Like I'm, Mm, I'll just shut up after that. But yeah, I, I gotta de- take a deeper delve tonight when we get stopped recording to look at this no gray challenge that people have been doing uh on TikTok. Everybody's been talking about yeah, so like they playing talk about it. Jonathan Man Reynolds song, No Gray. Um part of me loves the world and the other loves you. And like they'll show like clips of them drinking alcohol or being in a club or turning up or whatever. And then they'll show them like preaching (laughs) or a service actively doing something in service. And I'm like, so what's the resolve? You know, like the whole point of the song is that I don't want to be that anymore. Like, but y'all missing the point of the song. Y'all still living in gray. Let's not take Jonathan and Reynolds' song out of context. Like, the context is that I decided to follow Christ. Now I'm still going to just hang out in the gray, and that's it is what it is. So, I don't know. Just like, let's just have a little bit of shame, Saints. It just, just had, I would just respect it more. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure, like, we got some. We got some, um, you know, some people of the 1980s that was that's this age in 1980s that did the same exact thing. But y'all, I know we got technology and stuff out, but everything ain't for social media. And ain't for social. You don't got to share your whole life. You got to show you share your whole life. Don't like, share your sins, saints. Keep some, keep some things to yourself. <laughs> keep some things, you know, for between the, you and Jesus. Between you and Jesus, maybe for the group chat, y'all got yeah. maybe for the group <laughs> chat. You know, safe for the group chat, but. You know, we don't want because even and here's the, the serious part. Like we we joke and we have fun, but here's the serious part. Like I've always been a huge believer in that you never want to ruin your witness. Like, right. um, even if you decide, you know what, like I'm deciding to follow Jesus hundred percent and strive to live the, on the straight and narrow. You know, once these things come out of social media and stuff, it's on social media. People don't know whether that's your current or people don't know whether that's your past lifestyle. All they know is that 
Ron was on social media turned up and then leading praise and worship. Mm-hmm. And then the other night she was over, you know, uh, at the hookah bar. Not but, you know, she was laying hands on the saints the other night. A lot to you not. And I these are real stories, you know, from real people, from real right. experience. And again, we 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 not here to judge that it's a safe space. But at the same time, like when you do decide to that, you're going to re- walk that straight and narrow. It's hard for people to receive you when in the back of their mind, they see images of all these things, whatever. And I just think, you know, just be very mindful of that, you know, because, you know, social media is, a, it's, you know, once you put it on TikTok, TikTok owns it. Once you put it on Facebook, Instagram, they own the rights to it. And even though you might delete it, you don't know who screen recorded it. It's never deleted. It's never deleted. So, um, yeah. And Amen. like, also, sorry, last point on this. Forget about the people. Think about yourself. When you finally come to yourself, <laughs> you're going to be embarrassed, saints. Like, yeah. Let's not embarrass future you. Let's not embarrass future you saved you. <laughs> because exactly. that's just the worst. <laughs> it's the worst to have to, oh my gosh, to have to realize what, what was I thinking in that space? Let's if you if you have to get there, at least be embarrassed, like without it being something that everybody done seen. But anyway, um, our topic for this week is what it really means to love. What it really means. To love, patience, patience, time. What was the was it? Is it patience, patience? I don't know what. He I don't was. even know. We used, to, <laughs> we used to have a uh when I um before I moved to DC, um the church I went to they used to have what's called agape um mm-hmm. night, which was like a you know it was like a couples thing. You dress up and oh. you know you bought a ticket. So with the praise team, we would provide the music and we would always sing that. Love that's what a word yeah. that comes and goes. A word that comes, and goes. I, you Mike, know, I'm you bad with words. I, am word. I am bad with words. I can see okay? you not knowing the patience, patience, whatever that part is, but you should at least know anybody that knows me knows I am terrible <laughs> with words like woo Jesus. All right, so. Tonight, we just want to talk about love. We know that um, people focus on love being love. But, you know, here at Pew Babies, we don't believe in defining things with the definition because that don't make sense. <laughs> um, so my first question is, Mike, like, how would you define love? I define love as an action word, a verb, something that um, is shown. So it's a it's a deep affection for something or someone that you have is usually um, not based on pun anything is not conditional upon anything, but it's this uh, deep concentration, this deep focus and this deep affection for something of someone that cannot easily be um, broken. Yeah. I see love and we're not going to jump deep into the scripture today. We're just going to have a conversation, but you guys know first Corinthians 13 is where the Bible really breaks down love. But love to me, based off of that scripture is more of a form of acting with respect to another. I think the verse said like a puff if not up itself. It doesn't like consider things to be evil. At first thought, like the first time you start thinking about something or somebody doesn't say hi to you, you don't automatically assume that they're like bad or problematic. You just start from a place of like, oh, OK, they just didn't say hi to me today. 
love doesn't have any like negative thoughts. And then I think the last thing about love is that it's this consistent respect. Despite anything that happens, I'm just going to stay the same. That's my little definition. Um, So we're going to talk about love today in two different buckets. We're going to talk about love in the church and love in society. So first, I want to start with society. So Mike, do you know what a love language is? Yes, I do know what a love language is. Uh, what's your love language? I've forgotten because it's been so long since I've taken the love <laughs> language quiz. Um, I think for me is probably words of affirmation. Um, words of affirmation is probably my love language. Maybe acts of service. Okay. Maybe. So let's, let's break down a little bit because there might be people who don't know what like the love languages are. Mm-hmm. So like there's a quiz you can take online. I don't know how people feel about this, but <laughs> we can talk about that as well. But um, there's, what is it? Five types? Five types of love languages. And it's acts, acts of service, like you said, which is like giving gifts, doing things for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's words of affirmation, which is like telling somebody you're so beautiful or you did a good job or like just encouraging them by word of mouth. Um, there's quality time where you just want to be around the person Mm -hmm. there's physical touch where you like to touch them obviously what's the last one um we said words of affirmation right words of affirmation acts of service quality time physical touch um receiving gifts did we say receiving gifts yeah so yeah, words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Oh, receiving gifts and acts of service are two different things. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I put them together. Okay. Huh. Yep. So, okay. So you said that yours is um, words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. I took the test. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm quality time. But anyway, I wanted to ask you first, in your opinion, how do you feel about these love languages? Some people focus kind of like zodiac signs and stuff like that. Do you think the saints should be taking love language quizzes? I, I think the saints should, um, honestly. I um, I think the, the saints should, because I think it's good to know, especially when you're talking about like relationships, even friendships to know what are things that make you feel good, like in a friendship or relationship, even though you can get to know a person. But if you know that like, okay, Ron, you know, likes quality time. It's no need for me to bombard her with like all these nice gifts or bombard her with all these words of affirmation. Like she'll like it, but she'll really love like if we spend like a lot, you know, maybe we spend the Saturday together. We take our time, go to brunch, you know, go to a few, you know, antique shops, things like that. And so I think it's important to know that I don't think we need to be so deep and not say, oh, we don't need to take that because, you know, some of the saints to y'all marriages and relationships are hanging on by a thin thread. You know, y'all might need to go back to the drawing board and do what you need to do, do your first works. But no, I think it's good to like be able to take those quizzes because obviously there's experts and stuff that are in these particular fields that kind of can can kind of put these things together to be able to, you know, recommend, okay, this is where you stand in a relationship or friendship. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, no, like I agree. I think 
those type of tests are different than like horoscopes right so like horoscopes are just like because you're born this day you're gonna be like this i don't agree with that but you know if there's a test that's kind of asking me questions about how i interact with people and i can respond to like yeah i do i think it's a self-evaluation test really and it's kind of like thinking more deeply about who you are as a person and being able to express it in a way that somebody can understand because sometimes we don't we know things about ourselves but we don't know how to tell other people so exactly. I think it's a general exactly. way for everybody. Now, my next question is, are the love languages technically a biblical understanding of love? No, I don't think it's a biblical understanding of love. Um, I think it's just like a basic, you know, understanding of like, this is like surface type things. Like, because a biblical definition of love, even when we examine like 1 Corinthians 13, like that goes beyond the surface because Paul reminds us that love is not conditional. You know, love is not predicated upon, you know, your ability to be able to operate in, you know, the gifts of the spirit. So I think with the love language, it's more so of, okay, you know, I think I love you, but how can I show you that I love you? So I think this particular tool helps us be able to show love. Whereas in a biblical sense, you know, we're taught like what love is. And we realize through scripture that Jesus is love, you know? And so I think the two are definitely different. So, and this not is not really a question, but this is more or less like my comment. And you can kind of say if you do agree or disagree. <laughs> but I just feel like when we talk about love in society compared to the Bible, I think that the world like perverses everything that God does. Of course. And so like the focus with God, like I said, I think is more of like, this is how we should treat people. This is a form of respect of what love is. Whereas I think that society, when we hear the word love, we automatically make it into something that's lustful or romantic, or we focus on that one type of love instead of like agape or like uh affiliate that was that's that's the friendship one <laughs> but you know like there's the different forms the fila. of love fila yeah <laughs> <laughs> isn't that a shoe <laughs> <Yeah>. but um <laughs> sorry <laughs> talk about sneakers but um <laughs> i just think like you know i think the world just takes everything that god does and try to perverse it and that's part of the reason why you know the like i'll be true community the, the twitter is having i mean tiktok is having a great time about how they're just talking about lgbtq in a different way i just love it but <laughs> even with that type of community and, and the way our society is going it's really taking what god wanted to be just a way of life a way of action right. and making it yes a way of life a way of action but focusing purely on the perverse Right. This is what happens in the bedroom. Let's bring everything in the bedroom to light and accept who I am in that way. So I agree with, I think the world has perversed a lot of what like love is in a sense. Um, even through the nineties, like growing up, we were always kind of comparing, like when we, we saw love, there had to have been, especially between two people or, you know, mm-hmm. whoever, there was like sex that followed whatever, because I think throughout time, you know, we realized like 
through media and stuff, like we we think about like a lot of like the music that came out talking about love. Usually there was some kind of sexual connotation with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know it has kind of be it, it kind of became a first thing, and this is just not through the nineties. I think this this started earlier on, just throughout you know popular culture, you know, just the way like people kind of because there there are people that equate you know, this idea of love and this idea of intimacy when really it's just like a sexual encounter or really right. it's just like a, you know, uh, uh, whatever is going on, but it's not really a, a real love. So people, you know, people have this perception of what they think love is and therefore they believe in what it is they think their love is. And as far as like talking about even like the LGBT community, like whatever, like here's the thing, like I think with that, I don't necessarily think it's them, you know, that community bringing the bedroom to, uh, to, you know, to the forefront. I think mm-hmm. it's, you know, we look at it like, first off, like I, I'm a firm believer is like the world is going to do what the world does. Right? right. But two, when I think about that is what if that's the only idea of love that, you know, people know, like even in hetero sexual communities and stuff some people the only idea that they know of love is maybe toxicity so maybe in in these lgbtq communities maybe the only idea of love that they've ever seen or ever been shown is through you know these same you know sex interactions like you know there was low self-esteem you know nobody really wanted me so this is what i turned into and this is the first experience i've ever had with love and i think that a lot of times you know this is with anything like you know it don't have to be the LGBT. It would just be just, you know, with people like maybe mom and dad didn't show me love. And, you know, you as a woman, the first man that came around and said, oh, you got long hair and, you know, oh, I like the way you look and stuff like that. That was the first idea of love that you ever saw. And it's not not been the right kind of love, but it might have been an idea of, OK, well, this is what love is to me. And this is until you experience better. And we hope that that experience is the experience of Jesus Christ, which is the ultimate form of love but until these people experience that i think we have to be able to learn how to deal with meet people where they are in a sense of what kind of love that that what love do they know where where what kind of love do have they experienced whatever and things that they some people have not experienced love at all you know some people have not experienced love at all they know it you know they're bitter about it they're closed off to it you know they're in their lane because they're like i have not experienced it i've seen it all around me but I know that that's not what love feels like. So, you know, so I think we have to kind of be able to meet people where they are. And as believers, we've experienced love. You know, when Mm -hmm. we know that when Jesus died on the cross for us, that was the ultimate sacrifice. That was love. You know, even when we received Jesus Christ, you know, we received the Holy Ghost. We experience what love is. And therefore, we can show that agape love to other people. And I think you raised a really good point about I, I do think that we've taken the intimacy out of love. And we just made this the surface level thing. And we've done that even in the church, to be honest, like instead of getting so close to God and building relationships, like it's, we treat God like we do one night stands and stuff like that, you know, instead of like actually really because that's that's how you really develop true love for somebody is you really are close to them. You understand, you get close enough where you feel like you know their character. And so you won't assume bad things about them. You become a safety net for them because you care for them so much. And I think that we as a society even have just, and even as the church have just taken out that intimate part 
we've taken the intimacy out of our relationships with each other and we've taken out the intimacy that we've had with Christ. And instead we just kind of have this like very surface level idea of what love is. And it's, it is kind of sad. Um, the last thing I want to talk, talk about, about love in society is the love of money. And we can have a conversation all day about the perils of capitalism. I'm sorry. Cause uh, I just hate this country for that. But the love for things more than people, the fact that people will care more about a dog or an animal than they will another human being, or they'll like, it's just these weird things that we're putting items and things before actual people, actual intimacy with humans interactions, um, and particularly with money, like chasing something that isn't is first infinite, but very finite. And like, also that at the end of the day is worthless. And just seeing how, uh, particularly our country in America, like how the love of money has changed people, um, and can change people. I've seen whole families broken up because they fighting over somebody's inheritance. Right. Right. Were we not close before? What happened? Right, right. Whole church is breaking up because they fighting over who's going to take over the next church. You know, fighting over things and stuff and status. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you know, um, again, the perversion of love. Yeah, no, I, I think you raised some great points there. I think, you know, the Bible tells us for the love of money, you know, tells us about the for the love of money is, you know, it's the not roots. good. You know, it's the, the, it's the root oh. of evil, you know. And so... I think for me, you know, it, money is good. Let's recognize that money is good. Money has its place. But I think um, sometimes is when, you know, how we have acquired money and the love and obsession with money is where we end up in these dangerous places. Like I was listening to the friend zone this week and they were talking about black billionaires and mm -hmm. one of the co-hosts, you know, referenced Fran, um, she referenced, you know, how, you know, there's a lot of black billionaires, but who is being hurt in the process of these people becoming billionaires? And I thought that was, that was such a key thing. Like, you know, you got like your Kanye West and you have your, you know, your Jay-Z and Beyonce, you have your, because these people have multiple businesses and I applaud it. Like, I love some black billionaires. I love some black wealth, you know? Okay. Like I love black wealth, but you know, it raises a point because who's being, you look at Jeff Bezos, Who's being harmed? Like Jeff Bezos is a billionaire, probably one of the richest men in the world. When, when we look at like the fact that he runs Amazon and I did a case study in grad school uh, during my, grad, you know, I'm in grad school and mm -hmm. in one of my classes, we did a case study and we were talking about how, you know, Amazon has such a toxic work it's environment horrible. from the top on down to the people in the workhouse, in the warehouse. So the people at the top, you know, are, you know, made to feel in the, to put, be put in this culture where, you know, at any time, you know, they'll be pulled in and criticized and criticized from other people. It's a dog eat dog world in a lot of the C-suite positions and executive positions. And in the warehouse, people work themselves like a dog in the work in the warehouse to the point of there's been cases where people have, have fallen out you know, and died in this warehouse, you know, only to be replaced or only because they wanted to go home because they felt bad and they were threatened that if you go home, you may lose your job. And so these are people being hurt in the process while Jeff Bezos, 
you know, can enjoy his billions and billions of dollars. He got richer during the pandemic while people under him had to still go out into work, risk their lives, deliver mm-hmm. packages to people while we worked from home or while we sat at home because we had nothing else to do and just order random stuff from Amazon. So who's being hurt in the process <sighs> of this love for money? Lord, forgive me for contributing to that. Yeah, Lord, forgive me for contributing and continue to contribute. But, you know, <laughs> we need what we need, you know. But, um, no, but I think that we have yeah. to look at who is being hurt in the process. And I think that, like I said, money is good, but it's when we start to use money. And a lot of times what we realize, too, we're talking about love. We're talking about money. A lot of times, even in relationships, and, and I don't know why I'm being led to say this, like, even in relationships, we can find ourselves, you know, using money as a blanket to keep us warm at night or mm-hmm. using m- uh, money as a way, as a coping mechanism. OK, I don't need you because I have my own money or, you know, like I don't need you to buy me anything like I'm going to be all right without you and stuff like that, because we have equated love I mean, money with this sense of security. And a lot of times, like, you know, either A, you have people that marry because this person has money, this person has the wealth, this person has this, or you have people that are in these, you know, relationships but feel like they have to always overwork themselves because they feel like without money, I'm nothing in this relationship. And so, you know, money can be, and the love of money can be the root of all evil and cause downfall. And I think we have to find that balance there as to how money works, you know, how money can work for you, how it can be good for you as long as you don't let the money become you. That makes right. sense. No, that makes perfect sense. And that's really real. We do use money as a security blanket and we chase after the world's version of success, which ultimately requires somebody else's downfall, their failure. Me getting promoted means that somebody else wasn't. me running a business means that somebody else like I don't want to work ever again but somebody's gonna have to do the work (laughs) so like and we're all chasing that and you know and obviously we can't all achieve it so at what cost are like it's a means to no end um so anyway (laughs) again sorry I don't want to go into my (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> philosophies about money but i i do think that we do need to be mindful as a society about our love for money um moving on to love in church the first thing i want to talk about is the lack of love in church so my first question is do you believe that church hurt is a thing i believe church hurt is is a real thing um but i think again it goes into the context of how people use it so I believe it's very possible to to get hurt in church because, you know, sometimes you have a lot of hurt people in church that hurt people um, and hurt good people and or people get caught in a crossfire or something or there are a lot of casualties in church. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think, too, people have used the term church hurt as a means to uh to not either go, go to church or they use it as like a, a, a scapegoat. Um, oh yeah. Church hurt. I've been hurt in the church. I don't go no more, but you still go to work and they hurt you every day. You know, you still go to that club down the street, you know, somebody, you know, took take your drink or somebody spilled drink on your shoe, but you still go back. But when it comes out of church, for some reason, as soon as somebody look at us wrong, we're not going back. But I do think church hurt is a real thing because there's actually been people that have been wounded in church, you know, and, and it could be for any for different reasons, whatever. And I think a lot of times in, in church and in spaces and stuff, 
as believers, we have, especially in our Pentecostal church, we're supposed to have this tough skin. We're mm-hmm. not supposed to have feelings. You know, we need to grow up, you know, and things like that. And it opens the door for us to just lay down and be able to take a lot of stuff, whatever. And we're supposed to just be Superman, Superwoman with the S on our chest and just continue to, you know, serve in these capacities. And then we get burned out after so many years and become bitter saints, you know? Right. So, and I could go on and on, but I'm gonna stop right there. Yeah. And I was just thinking about it. Sorry, before I forget the thought, like, I don't think church hurt necessarily means that there's a lack of love in that church or a lack of love by that person. I think sometimes people need to reevaluate how they love you. I think sometimes people don't always know how to address things in the way it should be addressed. I think sometimes also it's hard for us to eat some things. <laughs> like, And like, I, I think about like, I hate to talk about my parents. I know that my parents did the best they could with raising me. I know that. I know that's true. I know my parents love me. I know that they did whatever they could in their power to make sure that I would be great. But then you look back when you get older and you say, there's still some things that could have been done differently. Or I see like, maybe this was a little bit of a traumatic situation, or maybe this has affected me in a a weird way. And yeah, maybe I do hold some resentment. I, I, I personally don't hold resentment against my parents, but I know like a lot of people do, like maybe this thing was just not done right. And I'm a little upset about it. You know what I mean? And I think we have to look at the church in that same way. Mind you, there are vicious people in the church. Don't get me wrong. There are malicious people in the church, but I think genuinely everybody who pulls you aside and says, baby, like your outfit is not correct today, or I see you slipping or, you know, whatever is being done or said, I don't think it's always coming from a place that we need to be like, you hurt me. (laughs) It's more or less like, okay, I appreciate what you said. And maybe they should have said it a little bit better, or maybe they should have had added a little bit more fruit to that. Maybe it's needed some patience in that word that they said to you, or um, maybe they should have said it in a nicer way, or maybe you should just receive it for what it is. It was sad. And I take it. Um, have you ever experienced your shirt before, Mike? I have, I have, but you know, I didn't, I, again, I didn't let it bother me so, so much. I sucked <laughs> it. <laughs> well, I think, you know, in like certain instances, like, um, and I don't want to go into too much detail yeah, without don't, like, you, don't you tell know, it's personal, but I've, you know, like for me, like, you know, I've been in instances where, you know, we're all going, you know, trying to be, you know, deacons in training, but you call a meeting with everybody else but me. It's small things for me that build up. And I take note of that. Like, yeah. right. And I remember like there was an instance where um, I remember, you know, this this ministry I was sitting at. And so and again, like I, when I say these things like, you know, I have to chalk it up that people may not have meant harm, right? Like you just said, I think, but perception is everything. And I think there's a way to do things. And this doesn't take away from these people, like great people. I just think like in the moment, like you have to realize like, if your discernment works for everything else, then I feel like your discernment should have been working in that moment to realize that wasn't a, a space to make that that statement. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember one time I had gone out of town with, with a friend. And so... Um, I posted on Facebook, like, you know, me and a picture of a friend, whatever. We had a great time in 
wherever we went. And so, you know, the following, that following week at Bible study, the pastor, you know, at the Bible study, we were just sitting in the sanctuary, kind of fellowship, having service. And the pastor was like, are you okay? And I was like, yes, I'm fine. You know, what's going on? Mm-hmm. So he was just like, how's that young man doing now? I'm thinking maybe he's talking about a cousin that had visited the church. I had two cousins that had visited the church previous, you know, previously. Yeah. And so I was like, what young man? I'm thinking that's just who he's talking about. He was like the young man you went on the trip with. And I was like, he's fine. Trying to allude to like, how do you know that's who I'm on the trip with? But right. um, so it was like, is he straight? And I was like, yeah. Ooh. And I was because I'm trying to get to what it is that you're trying to say or right. get it, whatever. And even if my friend wasn't, like, that was none of his business. Like, mm-hmm. that was none of his business. That, that was something he just didn't need to. Well, you just need to be careful, like, when you blah, 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 oh. because the devil is always. And so I knew then that I had to make an escape because. First of all, like I said, it was a little, a lot of little other things that had like poked, which I won't get into on mm-hmm. here. But all that was the like the one big thing that was like because it wasn't that he said it; it was just the manner. And I would have appreciated if you pulled me into your office and asked me that question, we could have had a healthy conversation, you know. And you know, and I would have respected it more, you know, if you had pulled me into your office and asked those questions, whatever. But for you to do that on the floor with a smirk on your face tells me, you know, I have the Holy Ghost too. Right. I, I have the Holy Ghost too. You're not the only person that have the Holy Ghost. So you and you're not the only person that has discernment. So that tells me right there within itself that you um have been, you know, talking about me in the presence of others and have been speculating who I'm hanging Thought around. Uh, you know, yeah. who you know, so it, it was a lot of that. And I'm like, for you to be the leader, this hurts a little bit because I, I feel like I trust you enough for you to come to me as the leader and say, Hey, like, you know, like what was this, you know? And, and what was even the, was the deepest hurt was this particular leader Facebook page was deactivated, which meant somebody and our church was very, very small. So it wasn't like, you know, it was three or 400 people and somebody random could have seen it. It uh, had to have been one of two people that sent this picture, yeah. you know, to say, you know, oh, look at Michael, you know. So it was just very like off-putting. And I knew then, like, I was like, enough is enough. Like, let me make an escape plan now because I don't want to be disrespectful to leadership, but also too, I don't want to put myself in this situation. Yeah, church is anointed, you know, but I don't have to to, to tolerate that because there's 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 God is working in some other churches beside this one, right? Yeah. And so um that was kind of the, the and, and some of the other things, little things that you know you would watch. Like I would post pictures on on Facebook, selfies and stuff, just got a haircut, right? And oh, you need to take that picture down because that's not anything pertaining to a deacon and training and stuff. Like I said, not really a church hurt thing, but again, like a lot of that stuff adds up and like i said i just know like after you poke a bear for so long i'm i'm i don't want to bite you i don't want to attack you because i got too much respect but i am going to probably go the other way you know mm-hmm. so i think that's kind of just been like some things that i experienced and some things i won't you know talk about on here i'll talk about offline but yeah what about you ron i think the church hurt that i've experienced more or less is like backstabby kind (laughs) i don't know how else to put it like you just i don't know you kind of expect certain people to be a certain way when you're going through things because you were there for them and um the saints just don't show up the way you expected them to 
or the way that you would have shown up. And I think that's something I had to like figure out because you it's a balance, right? Because you're balancing like, am I overreacting or are they underperforming? Exactly. And it's always like kind of balancing that tension because it's like, you know, I can't assume that they would be mean, but I know I have the Holy Ghost. And as somebody who has the Holy Ghost, as somebody who's trying to be a friend, as somebody who's trying to be this or that, I would have done that for you. So when I was in that place, why didn't you show up in the same way for me? And I think that's the place where I felt church hurt the most. Um, instead of showing up the way I thought they would, it was kind of like when I, I was in a vulnerable place, I was attacked. <laughs> and, oh, wow. so, okay. and I won't go into detail any further than that, but I'm sure the saints understand what I mean of like, you know, sometimes you invest a lot into making sure that everybody else is okay. And then when you're in need, it's like, um, the church doesn't show up for you in that same way or support you in the same way. And it can be hurtful. Um, And, you know, like you try to balance, like, should I have these expectations on people? Because expectations are not uh, something that you should place on others. Expectations are for yourself and you should communicate a boundary to people. And then that's when they have an expectation or like, are these people really just not saved? Like, you know, because like if love think of not evil, like going to your your point, Mike, if love think of not evil. The same way that if you left the church because of that, somebody would have been like, well, there's no reason for you to get all in a tizzy about it because love think of not evil. Well, then he shouldn't have came to me with that information or came and came to me with the way he did because he should have the Holy Ghost and he should think the same thing. Exactly. I just feel like um, I think Ob said it a few episodes back. Like, you know, if we both got the Holy Ghost, then why isn't our fruit like matching? Like, why aren't we both? exercising it in the same way and I, I get it people need to cultivate they need to grow um but yeah I think that's the that's the biggest issue is just trying to find the balance of when is it me <laughs> versus them not meeting their like am I not the one who's showing the love of Christ or they're not the ones who's showing the love of Christ and then even if that's the case like you know just trying to figure out how to move past that I think that's the biggest thing um because even though we both been like experienced church hurt like we didn't necessarily leave the church um and i there's a couple of reasons for that i'm pretty sure i think one is like well you left that church so <laughs> yes yes yeah i i yeah i just but not god just that no one. i didn't leave god and, and that's one thing like nobody i don't think anybody could ever hurt me to a point where i'm just like i'm gonna leave god like right. you know because it's not in a day it's not worth it but i do recognize like i don't have to be in this particular space because anytime you get to a space in a to a place where you know you'll purposely schedule yourself to work on Sundays or you will you know just want to just go there just for the preaching and then leave right after service like you you don't have an interest in like staying and fellowshipping and stuff it's to a point where it's like you know it's it's time to kind of like you know you know real reel it back you know really back in it's like you have to you know make some decisions because you know at the end of the day like you don't want to you know, your mental health starts to suffer, you know, in these type of spaces because you're going to always have this paranoia of like, are they talking? What are they saying? Like all these other things. So I definitely, yeah, understand. But I would never leave leave God for those things. And it's it's crazy that you brought up like people not 
you know, returning or giving you back that same energy, you know, because I've seen that I've seen that in church and I won't say it was necessarily church hurt because it was people in church, but it wasn't necessarily anything to do with the church. But I just remember being in a situation where I'm a person like if I know you got something going on, if I know, you know, you're struggling with something, I'm going to try to make it my business to make sure that, okay, let me try to make sure you're good and make sure, you know, let me, I'll sacrifice, you know, my well-being to make sure like, you know, you have a roof over your head or you have food, you know, to eat and things like that. Like, I'm, I'm just going to make sure like you're good. Like, even if I'm at my lowest, like, you know, let's share, you know, let, let's, let's, let's share this slice of pizza, you know, let's, you know, huddle together and let's make sure you're warm. But, you know, I found out that people, even in those spaces can, people are going to people, you know? And so it's, it hurts whatever, because it's like, you expect you out of someone else. Um, even in the smallest things, like I don't expect people to give me like the same big energy I I give, especially when, pe- when I'm trying to help people, people in need. Mm-hmm. But you know, at the same time, like you won't even give me a, a inkling of that. Like you know, you wouldn't even give me like a a, a a small you know chip of the iceberg of that. Like, and it is eye opening when you see it. It's like okay, like, and you just talk it up to either a like people just don't have the capacity to do it. B maybe they don't know, or you know, C and you hate for this to be the answer you know, maybe they just don't want to, maybe they're just, you know, um, they're, they're, they just don't want their selfish to that. So, yeah, I think now that we're like learning how to communicate, I'm communicating this better is I like for me, church hurt, my definition of how I experienced church hurt is not necessarily hurt. It's just disappointment. My expectation was that it would be better than this. And I think like, it doesn't, it it doesn't really like affect me personally. It's just like, it's just like, oh, I just thought that this would be different. But I, the reciprocity thing with love, I, I'll just say this. I've entered a space now where God is showing me people who are on the same level. And sometimes people are just not at your level. They're just, and it's sad to say that it's it's hard to say, but some of our relationships are lopsided and, you know, as saints, it's going to be like that. We get used to it, but I'm grateful that God has also shown me people and putting people in place and putting people in my life that are at the same level that I am. And so like, I don't always feel like I'm giving, giving, giving and not getting anything in return. I mean, you don't enter relationships expecting that. But you don't enter a relationship just for nothing. You know right, what I mean? Like right. we, I mean, even with our relationship with Christ, we love him because he first loved us. Like there's something that's given. There's an exchange, you know, and we give him praise. We give him glory because of that. And it's just like, you know, nobody wants to be in a relationship where they're always putting out, putting out and never getting anything reciprocated. And so I'm just grateful that, and I, I'm saying this to be encouraging to somebody that there will be people who will go ham for you just as much as you go ham for everybody else. The same love that you're looking for and putting out. And I'm talking spiritually now. I don't know what y'all doing on a, <laughs> on a, 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 a carnal level, you know what I mean? But on a spiritual level, um, that love that you're looking for, there are people who have that fruit or have developed it and cultivated it to a point where they'll give that same energy because that's just what love is. 
you know, and, um, that, I think that's what I'm mostly grateful for. And I'm also grateful because, because I see that there's people who's like that. I understand that the relationships that I, that I'm in are relationships that I don't have to put as much energy towards. I think we spend a lot of time putting and investing thing into relationships that just, you don't need to do all of that. (laughs) No, you know, no, you're you're absolutely right. Like, absolutely right. I mean, me me being nice and showing up and stuff. Like, you know, I don't have to show up to a friend's birthday party with fifty thousand balloons and buy the cake and all that stuff for somebody who's not going to give that same energy to me. I could just give them a card, right? So that way, when it comes my birthday, I'm using something so simple as birthday, but you know, so that way when it's my birthday and they don't do nothing for me. I don't have to be upset about it. Right, right. No, because I understand. You understand the relationship. But anyway, sorry. That's true. Anything else on church hurt? No. No. I, I think uh, we definitely covered that. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about as far as the church and what it means to love is the carnal side of love and church, which is marriage. And we kind of talked about this last week just a little bit. Mike, why is your face crunch, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Mike is like, I will not be. <laughs> but um, it's interesting because marriage is sanctified by God and love is the epitome of who God is. And I have seen like just an attack on marriage, the institution itself, but also just marriages within the church, particularly. I'm not married, but just talking to a lot of my married friends, y'all make me not want to get married, to be honest. <laughs> the stuff y'all be going through. So when it comes down to, I think, marriage, I, and I can't speak a lot for marriage because I've never been married. Um, I don't think I'm getting married anytime soon. Um, but here's the thing. like I, I think that it has to be something that's done intentional, right? And I, and I think that when it comes like to marriage and divorce, like I think especially in church, I can't speak for you know, like what the world does, you know, but in church and things like that, I always when I hear people getting divorced and stuff like that, I always want to look at like what the root was, like what the root cause was, like what was their marriage based upon, like what were their first steps? Like I always want to go back and do this troubleshooting process as to like what you know what was that like like you know how did they date how long did they date were they really compatible for one another and and Mm -hmm. things like that because i think we we prepare we do a great job for preparing people for a wedding but we don't prepare them for marriage you know like Mm -hmm. um i think a lot of times like you know in church and i don't want to place the blame like on the church because i think some of this also starts it starts at home and upbringing but i think when when we look at just the pushed agenda for marriage in a a church especially our pentecostal churches and apostolic churches it does it does stem back to the church because there's this like when you take a certain certain age you're a single brother like we're pushing you towards marriage why are you still single you know why why are you still single sister right. sister ron is over there you know sister sister lily over there you know she's single but i don't think we prepare people for you know the real you know what's what's real in marriages we've had this conversation on the podcast before but 
we when we we marry people because we feel like we married them out of duty. We married them because our flesh is getting is getting weak. You know, we marry we we find people marrying for everything else but love. You know, mm-hmm. and I think you know, and and love has a lot to do with it. You know, in marriage, love has a lot to do with it. Um, but also too, in addition to that, are we making sure people are good as far as their credit score before they get married? You know, are we making sure that people are good as far as their mental health before they, you know, when they get married and 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 things of that nature? And I hope I'm not going too far, of course, with what you are um, talking about as far as marriage and, and divorce. But I, that's just kind of what I think about. So you were talking about like love being in it and. Cause I used to, <laughs> our bishop he used to say that he was going to arrange our marriages. I was like, wait, <laughs> right? Um, and and I've actually I know, I know a couple of churches where they the pastor has literally just been like, God told me y'all to get married, and they got married, and it was the weirdest couples, but <laughs> they were together. I, right. I don't know how that happened, but they were together. I just think too, like understanding that love again is not is not an emotional thing. I just see love more as a respect, as a more like we're here to show up. It's not an emotional thing. It's not a like uh it's just I I am committed to this and I'm going to show up. And you know, it, it can get emotional, it can be physical it can be a lot of things but I think at the end of the day particularly when you're married and it comes down to divorce sometimes you just got to show up I care about this so I'm going to show up I don't I don't know how else to explain it again I'm not married I'm not forced to be in a relationship (laughs) well I shouldn't say forced to be in a relationship I didn't commit to anybody's relationship but I think that if you did commit to a relationship and you just feel like the emotion is not there I mean, obviously, if you're being abused or cheated on or something, that's something to rethink. But, you know, sometimes love just requires you to show up. Yeah, no, that's that's true. And I want to bring this in um, mm-hmm. while we're at talking about marriage. So, you know, lately within the last two years, you know, on social media, there's been this concept floating around like and, and I might be out of pocket, you know, for bringing this in. But it's been Uh-oh. this concept floating on. Huh? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> well, there's been this concept floating around on, on Facebook about like, well, our grandparents, uh, what happened to, you know, love? Like what happened to like our grandparents, you know, marriages, you know, lasted throughout the test of time for 60 years and stuff. And now, you know, we won't even last, you know, you know, the first, you know, sign of an argument, we're ready to give up and throw in the towel. Have you you've seen that, right? Yeah, I've seen it. So and I want to bring that in. You know, I wanted to bring bring that up and bring that in because I think that <laughs> embodies a lot of different concepts. So here's the thing. And, and I and I commented on someone's post two years ago when it first surfaced. And I'm going I'm going to say this and, and I hope it doesn't offend anyone. I hope, you know, it doesn't trigger anyone. But I think the reason when we look at history, we look at like why our grandparents marriages lasted so long is most of the time, like you didn't have no choice but to last. When you have a 10 and 12 children and you a stay at home mom, you're not working or you cleaning houses and your husband is the breadwinner. You're kind of put in a position where you need to stay. So you will overlook a lot of things. Um, And I know of people, these are real things where, you know, that grew up in houses where, 
daddy did what he wanted to do. Husband did what he wanted to do. He went out, he ran women, you know, cheated, you know, hit him, did whatever he wanted to do. But, you know, we'll be there with our, you know, black and gold on at the 60th wedding anniversary party, you know, because big mama, me, ma, Nana, all of them stayed, you know, throughout this marriage, whatever, because it was kind of like you didn't have a choice. And I think now people say things without thinking, especially on social media. Right. They love to say a lot of things like, oh, but y'all ready. But no, I'm not going to stay through your toxic mess. I'm not going to stay in in a relationship in a space where I'm being cheated on, where I'm being mistreated, where, you know, I'm 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 being mentally, emotionally, physically abused. I'm not going to do that. I don't think anybody should have to force themselves to stay just because we watch Big Mama and them, you know, in a marriage for 60, 70 years you know, and watch her get abused and stuff, but she didn't have no nowhere else to go, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think we have, I, I think we've introduced this concept of trying to compare, you know, without actually doing the research and taking the time to understand like why they lasted so long. And I do believe there's a lot of couples that lasted a long time. They were actually in love. They it was successful and stuff, but too many stories, especially maybe here in this area in the South where people, you know, you hear of older couples that, you know, she stayed there because she had to, she didn't have a choice, you know, in the matter, you know? So. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like if it's a toxic relationship, there's no need to stay in it. But I do think that like at some point people just wake up and be like, this is a stranger. And who yeah. is this person? It's the same way with my job. Like when I first get a new job, I'm super excited. Like I, I'm like, I want to get involved. I want to do everything. And then you hit a place where you become stagnant. Yeah. And like I think and that that's the difference is understanding when something is just like a stagnation. And if it's stagnant, then that means you just got to work harder. But again, like you said, we got to do the preemptory work. It's no reason for you to go to marriage counseling. All they do is open a Bible and read talk about wives submit to your husband. The husband will love your eyes. And tell you ladies, like if you get if you got a headache, don't tell him no. You know, okay, come on. Yeah, now. if that's all we talking about marriage counseling, then I don't want to be there. <laughs> like I can read the Bible for myself. Like in actuality, <laughs> we need to talk about real stuff because that's not going to be helpful for anybody. I don't have anything else to say about marriage and divorce because I'm sorry, Saints, but we not married out here. We not, so we can't. We limit it on. What we, we limit on what we can speak here. on. Maybe we can we have somebody come on, here. but you know, honestly, even yeah. with that, I really don't even care. Like, <laughs> I don't see marriage in my future right now. <laughs> You know, like I just, you know, I want to be just married to my destiny, married, married, you know, to, my married, destiny. married to my business, married to the Lord. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I care about the single things, which is about Jesus. Yeah. Jesus, you know, get me to the Jeez, Lord. Exactly. Do you have anything else to say about what it really means to love Mike? No, I just, I think, um, like I said, it goes back to love as an action word. Um, and I think we have to show love daily. And I love this scripture with, with love and kindness have I drawn thee. And mm-hmm. so I think we have to consider that concept, especially in a post-pandemic society, as things are getting back to normal, our churches are getting back to normal. Um, most churches are, you know, I think 95% of churches are back in, you know, full swing now, um, back to the thing, way things were. But the difference is we don't have as many people in those pews, right? We don't have as many people that's, you know, sitting there, there's been a shift, you know? And so right. I think it's more important now, You we've had almost two years to kind of examine, 
you know, how we show love in our churches, how we show love to people. How do we show love to marginalized people? How do we show people to that look different than us? Lifestyles are different than us. Things of that nature. People. And, and again, hate to keep throwing cliches out here, but this is another one of my favorite sayings is we love to introduce the law of God before we introduce people to the love of God. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, we have to be very intentional these days. It's not 1984, 1972. We could go in there and, you know, preach hell, preach, you know, damnation, you know, do all of these things. And yes, we still got to tell the truth. Don't get me wrong. We still got to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. But I think now because there's so much work that people have done in their own movements, in their own agendas that, you know, it's hard to get people to move out from where they are, you know, and what they believe in and, and we know what they're holding true to. And so the only way to do it is to show love by introducing them to the love of Christ, you know, and what I love about, like I said, you know, first Corinthians, you know, 13, 13, um, Paul was talking to the church and was telling them, you know, I don't care how much you speak in tongues. I don't care how much you get up here and prophesy. I don't care if you want to, you know, die by even if you even if you decide to die, you know, and 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 die by a martyr or you know, if you don't have love, it's to no avail. And a lot of times we think like, especially in our church settings, that just because you know we have these anointed services, we start speaking in tongues all over the seats and we start prophesying up and down the aisle. The Lord said, "Thus saith the Lord," and you know we start interpreting, you know, tongues and you know, um, God says He wants this back, He wants His church back, and oh, but then we can't even speak to our brother or sister at the service or. You know, we can't even shake hands with our brother and say, you know what, bro, like, you know, I love you, man. Or, you know, to a, a fellow sister say, you know what, sis, like, I love you, girl. Like, what's going on? You know, what's been going? How have you been doing? It's, it's no point of that. That stuff is null and void. And I think a lot of times, like, we've operated in such this heavy emphasis on, you know, the gifts of the spirit, which which we need but have lacked the fruits of the spirit. You know, we have not lacked the fruits of the spirit. We've left that on our plates, haven't touched it, haven't eaten it. And now it's showing now in this post-pandemic society because we now, you know, if we weren't showing love in 2019, the first part of 2020, is showing now because people have had the opportunity where people have shown love to them virtually, shown love to them in other spaces. And now they're like, you know what? These folks are, are, are beautiful. These people show love. They called and they checked on me in the pandemic. They done sent me a gas card. You know, they done did this, did that. You know, they done, you know, reached out to me and made sure I wasn't alone. People can now see that. And now I think, you know, we have we still have time to examine that where it's always still time before, you know, Jesus comes back to rapture his church for us to be able to show love and kindness to people and continue to build his kingdom up. But it's going to be be built on the foundation of love, which Jesus is love. So right. my church when I was a kid was called Greater Love and our pastor, he used to say that if we don't show love, then we're false advertising. And I think that's the same thing with those of us who got the Holy Ghost. God is love. And if we say we got God and we don't show love, then we're false advertisements. And we wonder why people don't want to come back to the church or sit in our congregations. And, you know, like we're not supposed to have respect the persons. But if you get to know somebody well enough, you'll understand how to love them in the way that they should be loved. 
And like, you know, God treats us all like, even though he doesn't have respect to persons, he definitely treats us all differently. We all go through different things. So if there's a saint in, in your church that's particularly sensitive, you know, the love that you have should kick in and be like, I, I should tread lightly with this person and how I'm addressing it. That doesn't mean you don't address it. It just means you approach it differently. And I just think that like, you know, this tough love thing, um, we got to get that out. We got to fix it because love doesn't need to be tough. Love is supposed to be like what happens to gentleness and kindness too. You know, less, less love encompasses all of the other fruits. So if you can't get that part, right, (laughs) you can never get anything else. Right. So, and I, I think it is, it's incumbent on us who have the Holy ghost to do, to do our duty and do our due diligence. Um, we can't come from a selfish place. I, I feel like those of us who have the Holy Ghost, we always feel like, well, they did this to me or they always. And it's like, but you have God, you know, cry out to God. They don't have God to go to. So you cry to God about your issue and then you treat them the way that you're supposed to be tr- treating them because you have God within you. You know what I mean? And I just think it's just so important for us to like to do that. Yeah, I'm not treated right. Yeah, I might be treated unfairly. Um, and like I said, sometimes I do feel like, okay, maybe I'm more burdensome on myself, but I have Christ. <laughs> so I could be a little bit more burdensome on myself, but there's right, a lot of people right. out here that are hurting. And um, I don't know. Now is not the time for the church to be full of ourselves and selfish. It's time for us to really kick it in the gear and just like really just care for people genuinely. That's if you true. see somebody new at your church, go up to them and say hello. Like, don't be standoffish. It's your church that they entered as a visitor. So why are they kind of being like, I don't know what to, you know, like, right, that's right. your space. And, and my thing is this, I didn't mean to cut across you. No, no, you're fine. Go um, ahead. My thing is this, it costs you nothing. It nothing. takes nothing out of the church budget. Nothing is coming out of the ties for you to be nice and kind and not show people love. Fund. It's not a part of the building fund. But it does build the fund. It builds the fun if you do it right. If you show love right to people, you can build the fun. But it costs you nothing to show love and be nice to people. It doesn't take away from you at all. It actually adds to you. And so, and I, I just never understood. Like I remember growing up in church, people could be nasty, you know. Mm. Oh, people, and I don't know what it was. Like people in church used to thrive off being that. Yeah, I told. Yeah, I told such and such. Yeah, I showed. I got it straight. Sure did. I want her to come over here. God knows I want to, I got something for her. I showed D and I told such and such, you know, we brag on being nasty to people. We supposed to have the Holy Ghost. Yeah. We supposed to have the Holy Ghost. And these were people that had the Holy Ghost, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. But we still, we bragged about being nasty. We bragged about, you know, being, you know, oh yeah, honey, I, I wish she would. And, you know, and, and God knows I'm going to speak my mind. I'm going to tell them like it is, you know, and honey, one thing about it, like they ain't going to like me no more after I say this. So, but we, we thrived off that. And, and I, you know, to be honest, I grew up in that kind of culture. I grew mm-hmm. up in that kind of culture and I had to decode myself of that because I'm like, this is not who Jesus is. Like, right. this is not who Jesus is. And I don't want to be, you know, like, you know, and I, I was, I've never been like that type of person. Like I'm, I am a person, like you push me, like I will, I fl- I used to flip out, but like, you know, I don't want to be a person where I thrive off being nasty because what have I gained from that? 
other yeah. than a reputation for being mean, being nasty. Oh, oh, Mike is nasty. Mike is mean. Mike is rude. You know, like you don't want to be like grow up and be that person because you don't gain anything. But people will never see the God in you. You know, being like that, people gonna always know you. I ain't following Mike to church. You know, I sure ain't like he. Well, he just as mean as he can be. He just nasty. But people thrive off that, and I think I have an idea of why they do that because. You know, we can be thugs and stuff in church and we can be, you know, big bosses and we can be the mafia in church because we are nobodies outside of those four walls. But mm. it doesn't work like that. We got to show love, people. And I think that's a really good point. If God is love, then you being mean is antichrist. You are an antichrist. Mm -hmm. You're not lining up with what he wants. Like, and that's the easiest way to witness those times that everybody else will be triggered. That when, <laughs> follow me here. I'm sorry. I, I love biblical like stories. But those times where everybody else turning up the heat with Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, throwing Daniel in the lion's den, like being like all of those things that normal people would react in a way that's just like, I can't tolerate it. That's, that's the place for God to shine the most for us as Christians. So yeah, your food is taking an hour and a half for you to get it after you ordered it. You don't blow up at the waiter and the waitress because that is not what a Christian person would do. That is not love. Love will be patient. Love will show love would wait. And because that's that's not what a normal that like a normal person would be like, I'm not never coming to this restaurant again. I'm sick of this. They would go off. Your witness is for you to be anti that anti that spirit of mess into that spirit of anger and being upset like we just need to be different and honestly exactly in my mind i'm like everything is provided for god is still good <laughs> yeah maybe my food was nasty i'm gonna go grab mcdonald's after this god right, bless me right. <laughs> like you know we and and it's funny i i do want to say it sorry we're on here for a long time no, but me, good, me and my brother was talking about um the saints are all about positivity and sometimes i wonder I do have like questions about it. Um, I'm glad to be more positive, but I think sometimes we do become ostriches of things. And that's why I think like, yeah, it's good for us to acknowledge that certain things happen. Mm -hmm. I need to develop this thought better. But anyway, <laughs> all I want to say, <laughs> sorry. All I want to say is that um, we need to be the positive outlook, but it's, it's okay to acknowledge like, okay, yes, that was bad. But our our reaction should be different. But anyway, I'll leave it at that. We've been on here for long enough. I'm sorry. I'll just start to ramble. Um, what's next? Music. Music ministry. Music ministry. Praise the Lord, everybody. Lord knows. I told you she had a word tonight. Shut up. My God. That's why I cut those announcements down. She had a treat in store for okay, us tonight. No. Um so yeah, we're gonna dive into our music segment on tonight. Uh Sister Ron, what have you been listening to this week that has blessed your spirit, blessed your soul? Um, yes. This week on the playlist, I've been doing like throwback songs. Um, but this is this I'll just play one and this is the throwback for this week.
I just been resting in that song. I just love it so much. <laughs> and when you get older, like songs start to speak to you a little bit differently than they did when you were a kid. And it's just like, I love it. You just protect it all the way around. I love it. But I yeah. Love it, love it, love it. Well, I'm going to play one throwback since we're on a throwback wave tonight. Okay. Um, this is I Want to See You. I'm still in my Judah Christie McAllister bag. When I tell you, I'm excited that this album just started streaming. <laughs> like, I've been playing it every day on my way to work. Um, but this is called I Want to See You. Very beautiful worship song. Um, I hope that some of our praise teams will revisit a lot of this material because it's so good. Like, it's so revisit this, Lucinda Moore. Just a lot of your 2000s. Like, pressure and the praise. Yeah, well, that's one of my least favorites, but I did. <laughs> not your least favorite. Well, no, like, I, we love you, Lucinda, but that song is so loud. Turn your pressure into praise. It's like, woo, woo. Let me turn this down a little bit. Let me turn this down a little bit. But no, but her album, though, all, like her other songs, um, like there's a, there's a praise in this. Like, I love that particular song. Like, I saw oh, some okay. gems on there. Um, <laughs> but this is, um, this is, uh, actually, I'm going to play two songs. But this first one is Judah Christie McAllister, I Want to See You. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to see you I want to know you Like I've never known you before To walk with you And talk with you So yeah, the intro is kind of long on that, but um, that was Judah Christmas Callister. I want I to see love you. Love artists that record themselves speaking in tongues, but they about to sing. Sorry. Yes, <laughs> yes, she just she went in, she went in. Um, the next song I'm gonna play is "Pass Me Not" um, by Jamar Esau and Triad for Christ. Here it is. So yeah, shout out to Jamar Esau taking the old Douglas Miller classic and turning it around. Uh, anybody knows me knows that uh, that is probably one of my favorite songs. One of my favorite songs. So I'm gonna do something a little bit different this week. Y'all bear with me. We're gonna do. We'll cut this part out, but we're gonna do a set of the hymn of the week. We're gonna do a clip of the week just to kind of do something a little bit different. So uh, I'm gonna play this clip. This is me. Uh, if they asked me to say grace at Thanksgiving this year. Um, what? Here goes. 
Reasons my family doesn't ask me to pray at Thanksgiving. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, Father, so yeah, if you invite me to Thanksgiving dinner, those are expectations if I pray. Mm-mm. I would never come to your house for Thanksgiving. Mike, we already as black people starve all day. <laughs> I will. I refuse to sit at a full table <laughs> listening to somebody say "igusha my mama." You talking about all the food? Is trying to speak in Spanish about the food? <laughs> Hamburger guisa. <laughs> Hamburger guisa. Oh, oh my god! I got some more TikTok clips after the show. What would I'm gonna show you after the clip? Yes. Has a hold on me. <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> oh god! But um. Any praise reports, prayer requests? Um, praise report got a B out of my class, my MBA class. Thank God for that. Yay! Because when I tell you, I didn't think I couldn't see my way at one time. I they literally couldn't I see my way. It. They said I wouldn't make it. They said I wouldn't yes, be here, but I got an A on that final paper. Amen. And I got a B out the class. Yes, so you know, what? I'm just praising and thanking my God. You know, the God of the Bible Oof. for Him letting me. Past that class with a B. God is still on the throne. Yes, he is. Within your bosom. <laughs> Whenever you walk, you're not walking alone. Yes. God. Sorry. I felt good in my soul. Amen. Yes, I love that. Any praise reports, prayer requests? Um, I just I've I've been good. I I, I don't even know. I don't know. I've just been good. That's a praise report in itself. I've been good. Mm. <laughs> I will praise him. Praise <laughs> the Lamb, sinners, thank. Give him glory, all ye people. Ooh. For he has washed and made me whole. Oh, that's an old hymn of the church. I was lying. I ain't never heard that before. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Mike, we know them, them turned up AME hymns. I don't know nothing about that. <laughs> um, but all right, y'all. Um, have a great rest of your week you have a great week we love you so so much oh yeah we're not gonna do a closing prayer today it's all right love somebody y'all love somebody to god be the glory go in peace love somebody for real though (laughs) my life was church and all it i'm a pew baby